Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Seahawks fans, wherever you may be, welcome back for another edition of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alpstead, and co-host, sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers, as we talk Seahawks football. Hey, Seahawks fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Seahawks Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Bill Alpstead, sitting down with co-host Keith Myers, here to talk Seahawks football. Welcome back into the show, Keith, here to talk offensive tackles as a position group on the roster. Yeah, offensive tackles. I mean, this was a a situation where, um, you know, 13 months ago, this was probably the weakest uh, position on Seattle's roster and one where we were you know, really concerned about where the team was look going forward. And now it feels like a strength because, you know, a year ago they drafted two guys, both of them worked out and, and um, yeah, now they're, they're like cornerstones of a really good offense. Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, last year we were shocked. So we, we go into the draft. <clears throat> we knew we were probably going to come out with a tackle. We didn't know if it was going to be the first pick, although that was the best opportunity, but <clears throat> there were only a certain amount of tackles available. Mm-hmm. Just just so happens one of their favorites, Charles Cross, dropped to nine overall. It was an easy pick at that point. You just run up to the podium. You select Charles Cross. You've got your left tackle locked down um, for the next eight years at least, probably. And uh, 6'5", 308, 34 and a half inch arm, super long, super quick feet. That was the best attribute, I think, out of his profile, and which you loved because that almost guarantees success there on the left side. But you still got to be able to execute. How did you think that Charles Cross did as a tackle in his rookie season? And where do you think improvement can come from? Well, I mean, he, he did well. Uh, rookie tackles tend to 
you know, there's a lot of hype because they, they're drafted in the top 10 and then they tend to be disappointing. And then in year two and three, everyone goes, oh, wait, they are good. Uh, <clears throat> where he didn't really do that. He came out and he looked good. He, looked, he had um, they had a lot of success with him there and, and he did a, did a pretty good job. Um, he did wear down as the season wore on. Um, I think that had to do with the fact that, you know, he's a rookie and he's playing every single snap and it's a long season. It's a 17 game season in college. You play 12 and it's just a, it's a longer um, grind. Um, they put in a lot more work and, and stuff between games as well. So it just comes down to, um, you know, his, you know, the, just the conditioning mentally, physically, um, and uh, that kind of stuff, just to make sure that he's ready for the long season. Does that, if he can keep, keep his level of play up where it was, or actually should be better because it's year two, um, but up near the top of that all season long, we're looking at a guy who, who um, is probably making the Pro Bowl. Yeah, so last year he played almost 1,100 snaps, 693 pass snaps. Now, that was actually less than his final senior year because that's pretty much all they did in college. Um, and then of those, I, I don't remember. I think 693 were pass block snaps, and then the rest were run block. Now, run blocking to me, for an offensive tackle that's just not used to it, is going to wear you down. Um It is you know, at, at some point because of the, just the physicality. And I think that's what happened. I think he mm -hmm. was good to go, um, on his pass block sets, but, uh, overall also, he also had one game, which was just miserable as far as penalties were concerned. He ended up with nine penalties overall, but I think in one game he had four or five false start penalties, ended up with six on the year, seven sacks allowed four quarterback hits, 48 total pressures. I thought that was a bit high. I think, a you know, 25, 30% of those came in the last uh, little bit of the season. And I, what I would love to see is, is like those penalties kind of cut in half, maybe four or five penalties, and then um, try to cut those pressures down, um, mm -hmm. you know, another 20% or so. And I think he is capable of being a pro bowl level um, left tackle in this league, but there's a lot of them in the league right now. So even if he's just league average, you know, top 15, top 12, I think that's, plenty good enough for Seattle and allows he, him to kind of remain with the team for a long time. Isn't he already that though? Mm, wow. That's a great question. Actually. No, I don't think so. I think he's probably top 20. Um, I think he started the season really promising, you know, absolutely for sure. As the season went on, I think you could really kind of put a number of guys in front of him, I think, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, no, potential-wise, yeah, absolutely. After this year, I think he could be top 10. Um, but it's just, he, he needs to take a step up, I think. Now, is he fine? If he played at the same level, are we going to be successful? I think so. I think that there's enough around him. The team's very, um, at, at the skilled position groups, at wide receiver and at running back and tight end, we've got plenty of weapons. So, he just needs to kind of do the job enough to give Gino a chance to get the ball out. And that's it. Um, am I going to be satisfied with that? No, no. I mean, he's the first round pick at nine overall. I'd love for him to kind of come up a little bit, but I mean, what is, what are your thoughts around that? Well, I think you're selling him short a little bit. Yeah. He had one game where he had a bunch of penalties, but on the other 16 mm. um, games in the year, um, he had 48 total... pressures. That's, that's quite a bit on, on 
693 pass snaps. That's three a game. It's less than three a game. 51 would be three a game. Right? That's pressures, not sacks. Um, and well, yeah. I mean, we'll talk about Abe Lucas in a second. I know he's on the other side, but Abe Lucas, yeah. he played just as many pass snaps, a little less. He had one game less. Um, 28 total pressures. Yeah. Um, I'll give you that, but Abe Lucas also had a lot more help. He had a lot more, um, a lot more tight end support on that side. Um, Charles Cross, despite being a rookie, was literally put on an island the entire season. That is true. I will give you that. He was left alone. In fact, we we commented on that several times throughout the season. It was like it was remarkable, really, um, to expect a rookie to come in and start right away and then not really have any issues. I mean, we really didn't have to call his name out other than that one game, that penalty game. Mm-hmm. Didn't have to call him out for really um, gross miss uh, play because you know now he had some quarterback sacks that he allowed and stuff. But some of that's on Gino as well. Um, and I, yeah, you're right. I mean, they left him alone. They didn't have to put a tight end over on his side. They did occasionally, but um, most of the time he was just by himself and he handled himself very well. I agree. Yeah. And when they did put a tight end over there, most like almost every time um, that tight end went straight into a route. There was no combo block. There was no rub trying to help uh, cross out. It was just, that was the alignment. Um, But it was still, they're still leaving cross against some of the best pass rushers in the NFL um, one-on-one. And I think he did, he did well. And you're right. We're both, he did wear down at the end. A lot of those pressures came over the last like five weeks. Um, and do you, you think know, that's that, a, that's a physically wearing down or mentally wearing down? I think it's, and, a, I think the answer to your question is yes. I think it's both. It's, it's a long season. And um, when you're used to, you know, a, a significantly shorter season, um, right. That's yeah, more than a third fewer games. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a long season and eventually, you know, it starts to wear on you. Plus he goes from, you know, playing in college where you get snaps off and you get weeks off against awful teams where you can yeah go through the motions and still dominate. You can't do that in the NFL. The worst teams have elite athletes at defensive end. Um, and so I, I think it's just a matter of, yeah, I just, it was physically tired and and mentally he was just there, there wasn't a lot left um, in the tank. And and this is a really common thing for a lot of rookies, not just offensive tackles and whatever, but every year. Um, the length of the season is an issue for a lot of rookie players. So what do you expect this year from him? I expect him to take another step forward. Um, and as a guy that was already really good, I, I um, you know, if he, he had that one bad turnover game. And I'd like to see that not happen again. And with that, I mean, if he's uh, four or five penalties on the year, that's fantastic. If he can get his pressures down, so he's given up, um, you know, less than two a game. So around, you know, 25 to 30. So it's less than two a game total. Um, we're talking about a Pro Bowl level player, you know, someone who's top 10, top 12 uh, in the NFL. And if he can do that, the team's set. And I and I I don't think that it's out of the question for him to get there, um, and not just get there, but get there this year. Yeah, you know it's interesting to me because I think the overall expectation for the offense this year is amazing. I mean, it's, it's really, really high, high, right? And so being part of that group for him, to me, I think would be enough motivation to to come in ready to go and just have his best season ever. 
Um, we'll find out. Let's talk about Abe Lucas. Um, so we drafted this kid at, at 72 overall in the third round. Uh, he was there. We took the best player approach uh, available in the draft and just so happened to, to need that right tackle as well. Um, and he came to us. We didn't really know what to expect, Keith. We didn't even know if he would beat out um, Kerhan out of training camp. And then the rest, you know, we, we know at this point he turned mm-hmm. out amazing. In fact, at times uh, was better than Charles Cross. Now he, he was at a different position, right tackle, mm-hmm. different responsibilities. You mentioned some help on, the, on his outside edge uh, with the tight ends. But nonetheless, man, you got to be impressed with the season he had. Oh, yeah. And, and everything you were saying about how in college Cross had all those pass block snaps, but not a lot of run block. Um, take that and and make it worse or, you know, more extreme, I guess is probably the right word for Lucas coming out of, um, you know, that Mike Leach system in Washington State where they didn't run the ball ever. It was nothing but throwing. Um, and so, yeah, we didn't know what to expect from him. What we thought was that he was going to have to, um, you know, kind of develop as a as a run blocker and and get better, um, and that's why we thought Kerhan might start at the beginning of the year was just to give the team that ability to run the football, um, but he didn't need the development time. Yeah, but ten pancakes later. Yeah, ten pancakes right? in the first three weeks <laughs> right. um, no. later, and right. everyone's like, "Yeah, we were concerned about nothing." um because that was the rub on him if you go back and look at the scouting reports and stuff it was like you know he's going to be no problem in pass pass pro but he, he might need a little extra help on the on the edge once in a while but in, in run uh run um blocking he's going to need mm-hmm. some time he's going to need some development you know there's questions about him getting to the second level blah 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 blah. and those things were erased by the time we got out of training camp yeah um and it, it's it, it, this is a case of just because you don't see it on film doesn't mean he can't do it because it's not that he couldn't run block. It's that he was never asked to because, and that had nothing to do with him. Yeah. That had everything to do with the coaching staff and what they wanted to do. And they didn't want to run the ball. Um, the bigger but, but questions, super athletic guy. Though. Oh yeah. The, the, the bigger questions for me with him in the draft was um, would he make the transition over to left tackle? Because he has all the attributes of a franchise left tackle you know, with his, you know, length mm-hmm. and his mobility and just his incredibly quick feet for a guy his size um, and all those things. He looks like a left tackle, but he played exclusively on the right side in college. And so that was, you know, kind of the, kind of the thought. Eventually, if you're going to draft him, you're going to want him to play on the left. He's too good not to, it, unless you're Seattle and you already drafted Charles Cross at night yeah. overall. And so now he can slide in where he's comfortable at right tackle and you can leave him there. And you got two franchise guys, one on each side. And for most of the year, he was the better player. In fact, he was, there were a lot of rookie tackles taken last year for most of the season. Abe Lucas was the best rookie offensive tackle in the NFL. And then he really wore down at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I think he only had one or two sacks going into like half, half the season. Ended up with nine sacks allowed, ten, you mm-hmm. know, eight quarterback hits, 28 total pressures. A, lot, it, a it, lot of that came down the stretch. You know what seems ludicrous now is that there were a lot of um, draft pundits, and, and we may have even had a discussion about it, where Abe Lucas might slide in uh, to the right guard um, because he's just, you know, he's just not ready to be, to be on the outside or whatever. 
that that's funny to me at this point after watching him for a full season. Um, I, okay. I don't, I never got, I mean, you have a guy who's got quick feet like that. You're not, you're not putting him at him in at the guard. Um, it's not a matter of, you put him at the guard and you actually accentuate what we, you thought might be a weakness, which is his, um, you know, driving forward power. Um, like that's what you are, you're worried about. So why would you put him at a, at a position where that is a, um, bigger component and his quick feet are a smaller component you're there actually, was a yeah there was a minute you. there was a minute there uh in the pre-draft process keith where they took a 30 man visit from um jones the the big huge mammoth left tackle or right mm -hmm. tackle excuse me from ohio state six nine two hundred and eighty pounds or whatever or 380 pounds yeah. Um. And and so we had talked briefly about Abe Lucas having to move inside because if they draft that guy, what what are you going to do? Um. Anyway, let's talk about Abe Lucas and what he can do this year to kind of improve or refine his game. Well, I mean, for him, um, there there were some things like he um was he was really good um in terms of it run blocking and and that kind of stuff. There was a little bit of recognition um concerns in terms of who was coming and who wasn't um at times but he, he was quick enough to kind of make some adjustments and whatever um everything that we said about charles cross and wearing down in the season was much more extreme on lucas's side because he was the better player for the first half of the season um but he was definitely the weaker of the two uh at, down the stretch um as he just wore down and Part of that was I know he got banged up a little bit. He missed a game, um, but overall, like there were, he started making some mistakes, mental mistakes. Um, started leaning um, on guys rather than you know keeping his position and that kind of stuff. And it just looked like fatigue. He looked like he was tired um, in games. Yes, the beginning of games, um, he would just was moving in a way like someone who just looked exhausted. And um, so for him, it's it's really a question of you know, getting his um, strength, conditioning, all that kind of stuff up to a pro level so you can uh, maintain your level of play for a 17-game season. And Do you think that was the instruction from Andy Dickerson in the offseason uh, exit interview? Yes, for both the guys. Was to go um, and take what you do and just ramp it up um, and, and get to a point where you know, all the little things that you do are no longer quite as taxing because you've improved your your conditioning um, to that level. And that's not to say that either of them were like out of shape or anything like that. I'm not trying to imply that. I'm just, I keep saying it. The NFL season is a really long season, especially for offensive linemen where you are, yeah. you know, grinding up against some of the most, the strongest people on earth. Well, um, let's be honest. Let's be honest. When you're in the, when you're uh, in college football, especially in those offenses, your offense might be on the field like five plays for the entire drive, and and you're gonna you might be into a drive uh, 13, 14, 15 plays in the NFL, mm -hmm. and and multiply that times you know seven or eight drives a, a game that might be at that level, um, and it, it's it's hard. I mean, it really it's is different. hard. It really is different, and you're playing against it's it's um, higher quality competition on every rep. Week too. in, week out. Yep, and so it it's just it it just is what it is. Like, um, like I said, a lot of people you see wide receivers do this, where they start out slow because most wide wide receivers start out slow. Then they start having a really good middle of the season, and then they wear down at the end, where they just don't have the same impact the last like four weeks. 
it, it's it's common across all positions um for rookies the season's just really long it's, it's common beyond being rookie too um okay so and the reason i guess i'll i'll just tell this to everybody the reason we're kind of being so pickle uh picky with these guys and, and refinement wise is because we our expectations are pretty high this year i mean this is a super bowl level offense potentially for the seahawks this year depending and you know it all kind of all rides on geno smith and we, we mm-hmm. kind of know that but you refine these type of little things this is what makes the difference especially against teams like san francisco and the, the defensive line with the rams and and you know some of the other uh, major defensive lines that we're going to see across the nfl this year in the schedule these guys, if, if they step it up just a little bit, and sometimes it's only just 5%, that little 5% difference can make all the difference in the world. All right, let's talk about some backups because uh, these guys are locked in at starters. Um, one of the, you know, the, the, the locked in positions we have on this team, Charles Cross, mm-hmm. Abraham Lucas. Let's talk about Jake Kerhan. Um, yeah, here's the player Kerhan's that we, that a guy we like. I like. Yeah. Big, powerful guy. Um, excellent run blocker. Just gets it and mauls people. Um, we saw that uh, his rookie year, the year um, prior, when you know he wasn't a starter at the beginning of the year, kind of worked his way into the rotation, um, eventually supplanted uh, and got himself to that starting role. And he did so not by being necessarily a good pass blocker because he wasn't, but by just being able to take um, you know giant defensive uh, defensive tackles, defensive ends, and drive them backwards. Um, which is why you know we both thought he was going to probably start last year um, at the beginning because why start two two rookies? You know you got to have a little bit of stability, right? No, we were wrong. Um, I actually think there's a chance he moves into guard because he, I mean, he's not the great um, pass blocker, but all of that power in at guard um, can matter. Now, yeah. now he's he's got a lot of competition there because they drafted. Um, a guard and they've got other guys and Damian Lewis is there. So maybe he doesn't, maybe he stays as the backup right tackle, but he's a guy with, um, with a lot of potential as a run blocker and someone who needs to reps and continue to improve as a pass blocker. Yeah. He's six, six, three thirty. I mean, Abe Lucas is six, five, three fifteen. Charles cross, same, right. Charles cross, even a little lighter. So this guy's got, you know, some girth to him and, and we saw him the year prior. You, you'd mentioned it. Guy came in. Um, had some reps and was uh, was effective. Um, I do like him at guard. Uh, the team seems to not, uh, for mm-hmm. whatever reason. I mean, I think he would take some reps there, but I think they prefer him a right tackle. He's got certain attributes that I think that they like there. Um, but but well, you're right. It's beginning to get crowded now at that spot. At all, yeah. I'm mean, all across the line. The line's getting getting better and getting deeper. Um, and he's part of it. Um, now. They did work him out at guard a lot in the um, training camp and in preseason, which I thought was really interesting. Um, but then, yeah, when it came to actual games during the year, he did get, he got like part of one game um, there because of some injuries uh, at right guard. And the first drive was bad. I mean, it was just straight up bad. He was getting beat on every play. And it was like, oh, this, you know, what's going on here? Because this was a guy that was so much better the year before. But then after that first drive, the first maybe the first couple of drives, um, he settled in and that running game got going and he was mauling, um, you know, defensive tackles and having him and Lucas next to each other was fun because, you know, Ken Walker had all the space he wanted on that right side uh, on every down. And um, that is what you want. And so I think the fact that they 
they they tried him out there in the in the uh, in training camp, and then he did get some reps there. He's down on the depth chart a little bit at, at right guard because I don't think he gets a lot of practice time during the year at that. But it's part of you know his versatility that he can play both those positions. And you know, as a backup offensive lineman, if you want to be active, you better be versatile. And he he had 34 snaps last year. So one snap, a sack a lot, 11 snaps, one quarterback hit, two pressures. Not horrible, but, you know, uh, admirable to come in and definitely talk a little bit. Stone Forsyth, 6'9", 312 pounds. He had actually 122 snaps last year. Yeah. Um, 66 pass, one penalty, seven total, no sacks. Uh, pretty decent job coming in. Yeah, I mean, talk about length, 6'9". He's like monster when they drafted him he was like a sixth round pick we were like okay he's a developmental prospect that could be a franchise left tackle because he's got the length that you just can't coach and he's got some quick feet for a guy that size um what he didn't have was the functional strength to hold up at the point of attack um you know on every down and he needed to work on that but then you know they didn't he never got a chance to show that he could do it they went and drafted charles cross and and that was that and he becomes the swing tackle now because he can play on both sides. And he did last year. He played on both sides of, of the line. Um, when Lucas was out, it was Forsyth, not Curran, who got the start, which I thought was interesting. Um, my guess it was just a matter of there had been some sort of competition in in practice um, at some point. The coaches felt better with Forsyth there as pass blocker. And I don't blame him because, you know, Curran's got some weakness as a pass blocker. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you t- he is a guy that I wouldn't be surprised when his rookie year, rookie contract is up. He gets an opportunity. He goes to a team that's kind of in flux, and they're going to give him, you know, one of those contracts where it's like, hey, come in, win a job. And he, he, I would be surprised if he does. You're exactly right in the fact that when he came in, he needed some time in a program. Um, he he fell in the draft for a reason. Ended up going in the sixth round to Seattle, but he was projected by some to go earlier than that, even as as high as the third round. Yeah. Um now that he's been in the in the program for a couple of years, this would be the season that you would think that he would come up and really press for some some time. It just doesn't work that way in in uh offensive lines in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You're going to wait for a guy to get nicked up or um or whatever in a game and then you'll have an opportunity. Um you're you're right about the the rookie contract thing and maybe having another opportunity off the team. You know, you keep a guy like this on a roster for a while, but if a guy really deserves an opportunity to start, he's going to approach free agency in a certain way, and and, and may not come back to the team because he would like that opportunity. Yeah, and I uh, think he's going to go look for an opportunity where he can get playing time and get on the field. Um, and honestly, like I said, I I think he'll even if it's a, a spot where he comes in as a competition, it's like, Hey, we got these two guys that are both, um, you know, unproven, but, but has talent. I think he goes in and wins a job. Yeah. Similar um, to like what, uh, Noah, uh, not Noah Fant, but, uh, George Fant did, uh, several years ago when he went to the, um, the jets. Yeah. Went in and won a job and then later lost the job. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, a. Uh, it, it, it's to me, it's interesting because he's he's just a guy with a lot of talent and um, has shown improvement. Um, like I said, you, there was a reason he dropped into the sixth round, but he uh, and he didn't really play much as a rookie. But last year, a lot of the things that the you know the concerns that we had um, 
you know, during the draft process with him didn't show up when he got on the field. He's improved that functional strength. He's improved his run blocking. Um, he's not a guy who wins with length and length alone, right? Um, he's now got other, he's, he's more technically sound. Um, and so, I mean, as far as swing tackles go, a guy that can come in off the bench and play either side in, in case of, a, of an injury, like you could do far worse because this is a guy with starting, you know, um, caliber talent, but he's coming off the bench for you, um, which is a really great thing to have. Absolutely. All right. Let's talk about a couple other guys. Greg Island, uh, been with the, uh, the team now, this will be his second year, six, eight, three thirty-five, Mississippi state. Uh, 2021 draft went undrafted yep. uh, he's a guy that with huge size just you know size has that Mahler uh, ability um, ability to start you know at tackle possibly even move inside to guard it's hard um, to do it's hard to do guard at six eight but but less than athletic attributes as far as mirroring and, and being outside and so he's strictly to me a right tackle yep and um, and he's got a couple of guys in front of him so what do you do with a guy like Greg Island uh, you do what they've done the last couple of years, and that's stash him in the practice squad and hope no one notices. Um, because he's got he's a mauler, um, so you know he can run block, and he, but he's six eight. He's also got the length. Now he's not quick. That's the thing with him. He's got he's got heavy feet. He's not quick. Um, so as a a pass blocker, he's going to have issues. But when you've got that length at six eight, it's still harder. It's hard for guys to get around the edge on you because you only you only need a couple steps. And you've cut him off because you're so long. And so um, I think he's a guy that is going to struggle to make a roster um, in Seattle because they're not going to keep five tackles on the active roster. Um, but at the same time, if he comes in, plays well in camp, shows well, does okay. And um, in the preseason games, he might get picked up by another team, looking at a team that needs a backup right tackle that basically needs um, him to be their version of Jake Curran. And I could see that it's also possible that he comes in shows additional versatility because of that length that he can play on the left. And maybe Jake Curran is the guy, the odd man out. Um, it's possible. I don't think it's likely, but it's possible. Jalen McKenzie, uh, I believe son of Reggie McKenzie. Everyone kind of remembers Reggie McKenzie. If you're a longtime Seahawk fan, uh, six, five, 320 pounds played guard at USC played in 36 mm. games, had, uh, over 2000 snaps, college snaps, um, athletic, uh, guy, uh, with an ideal frame. Um, what do you know about Jalen McKenzie? If anything, I mean, he's a back of the roster guy, obviously. So we're not going to yeah. spend a lot of time on him, but, um, they like him enough to keep him around for, a, yeah. you know, one practice squad season and possibly the next one here. Well, I mean, I think he was, he's got the body of a, um, of a tackle, but not, no experience there. He played guard. And I think so that they turned, they're basically looking at him as a project. You know, he's got some athletic traits that you like, and he's got the size and frame of a tackle, which you like. Can you teach him how to play the game at a high enough level at tackle when all he knows is, is guard? Um, also, if you look at, you know, where he was coming from, coming out of, um, out of UCLA, like, Chip Kelly, USC. Or, yeah, USC. Um, uh, you've got, uh, you know, you've got an offense which is geared in a certain way, and you have completely different reads and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of learning that needs to happen. Um, I have no idea 
where he's at in that development process. Um, but the idea that he would come in and, and have a shot to compete for a roster spot, I could see, especially if he can show that he can play tackle and guard. Because if that's the case, I mean, it, there's a lot of value in your offensive line backups that are versatile because you want, you, you could only keep, you know, 46 guys active on game day. And so if, if you have, um, if you have offensive linemen that can play all the positions uh, or, you know, like for him, like if he can play four positions, that's more valuable than Greg than, Island and, who only plays one. Yeah. Or Jake Curran who plays two. Right. Um, and so you end up with guys like that, that, that are active, even if they're not as good as a Greg Island or, or a Jake Curran he's more valuable to them on game day because you only have to keep, you know, two or three backup offensive linemen active rather than nine um, total, um, you know, four, four active uh, backups. And so when you can do that, a lot of value there for teams. And, and for him, it's just a matter of how much has he learned? How much is, has been there on the practice squad um, for a year? How much has he learned? How ready is he? Okay. So we're done with the tackle conversation. Previous show, we had the guard and center conversation, Keith. This is your favorite time of the year, talking about offensive uh, tackles and guards and centers. Yeah. Put it, all, put it all together for me. What do we have in this group this year, this season potentially, uh, that makes the Seahawks um, better in 2023 than 2022? Um, I think what's better is, you know, the, I think both tackles should be better. I mean, that's, it's just natural development of, of players and they were both good last year, but I think they will be better. Um, I think athletically at center, um, they're going to be better, um, just because Blythe was, that's not who he was. Um, hopefully they don't lose anything in terms of the line calls and that kind of stuff. Uh, I think Bradford at right guard gives them an opportunity to be better because Gabe Jackson just his play just fell off a cliff last last year. He went from being, you know, one of the league's top guards to honestly, they played him way more snaps than he deserved. Um, and I don't know if it was because of injury or what, but he, like I said, his play just and nobody's, fell off. Cliff. Nobody's nobody's picked him up so far this year. Yeah. I mean, he's still out there because if you watch any of the tape from last year, you why would you want to sign him? Um, even though he was the best offensive lineman on the team the year before. Um and he's still but, relatively young. I think what, thirty two years old. It's not horribly old for for an offensive uh, guard prospect and then you mentioned Ola, Ola Watimi, uh at center potentially uh, with uh, competition uh with Evan Brown I mm-hmm. expect Olawatimi to come out and win that job just based on his character and his intelligence and he's no slouch in actually performing on the field as well and if you take a look at Evan Brown uh, overall, he played 70 snaps at center last year for Detroit. Most of the, his snaps, 700, I think, were at right guard. He can play center. He played center before. I think the team values him and projects him at center based on his physical attributes yeah. and his Athletic, mental game. Athletically, he is a center. He was playing at guard last year because that's where they needed him because mm-hmm. they had some injuries. Um, but it's, you know... Uh, he's basically like, what would have happened if you'd taken Austin Blythe and moved him over to right guard because, you know, Gabe Jackson was bad. It wouldn't have gone well. It's not who he is. Um, but they had, they didn't have Evan a Brown's a little bigger. Little he bigger. is, but, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you take a center who's 
got attributes of the center and you try and play him at guard just because it's, oh, it's also interior line. It doesn't always go well. And um, he's a guy that should be at center. And when they played him at guard, it looked bad. But but he did enough to warrant a a contract with Seattle in the offseason with an expectation that he'd be competing for a starting spot. Yeah, and he's he's he came in when he was signed as the starting center. There's no one else on the roster. And now he's got a little teamy to um to battle with, which I think will be a fun competition. I wouldn't be surprised to see him win it initially. Um uh, Oluwatimi has a lot going for him. He's also a fifth round pick for a reason. There's a reason why he dropped um, that far in the draft. And so there's some um, some things that he has to overcome before he's ready to play. And, um, you know, if Evan Brown's already got that spot, like I, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, it's Bradford at right guard that I, I see coming in and taking the job on day one. Um, I like Phil Haynes. He's done a good job when he's been healthy, but he hasn't been healthy as much as uh, teams would like or Seahawks would like. Um, but he, you know, he played pretty well last year when he got to play in small doses. But when he got in there for longer, like the more reps he got, the less effective he was. And that's not something that you tend to want um, out of your starters. And so uh, they're going to give him a shot to, to, you know, to win that um, battle. But I think Bradford has the inside edge. I really do. Do you um, think that uh, Phil Haynes is on the bubble this year because of if, especially if Oluwatimi takes that center spot and Evan Brown can play three spots, and then Bradford wins the starting right guard spot? What happens to Phil Haynes? I think, based on his contract, he's probably on the bubble because they'd love to have that. Um, he signed. I think he signed for like two point two, and they'd love to have that cap space back um and maybe it's a situation where they go hey you know take a pay cut or we're going to cut you because we need the cap space and you didn't win the job and he, if he says yes then he sticks around and if he says no then they release him and he goes and finds another job um my problem with that with that wouldn't be um it isn't you know evan brown then becomes your only backup for your interior positions unless you look at at um Kerham. In, yeah. in that re- in that way. at right guard. I mean, you Phil Haynes is a guy who last year did well as a backup. Um, right, right guard mostly. He played a little he, on on the left side. He can move around. He can do both those jobs, and he does it pretty well, especially in, um, you know, coming off the bench when when he's needed. And I think there's value there in the lack. It's like the one spot where there isn't a lot of depth. Um, I think they're 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 too deep at center. I mean they're they've got Joey hunt back again, um, at, uh, center, but I'm not sure why. Um, but you know, they've got depth, especially at tackle. They've got great depth at tackle. Um, they've got, they're too, too deep at center. They've got three guards. So if one of them gets hurt, now you've got two guards and you don't have any backups. So it's like the one spot I could see them also letting Phil Haynes go and finding someone who's, um, on the waiver wire, you know, someone who's a cap casualty elsewhere or practice practice squad level guy that can jump back and forth. Yeah. I mean, finding guys that can do that and and you and Curran is a guy that, you know, maybe he becomes the backup right guard. And, and if, if Lewis that gets hurt, then you, you swap Bradford over and you bring Curran in, um, at, you know, the right side and, and you do something like that. But, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, it comes down to which, 
is more important to you? Is it the having that quality backup there or that, you know, 2 million in cap space that even if you don't need it this year, it rolls over into next year and you know, you're going to need it. Right. Um, and so it, it becomes a, an and they may swap, they may swap a guy like Phil Haynes for a defensive tackle at the end of training camp. You just, you know, stuff happens. You just never know. Um, mm -hmm. cool. It, you know, by all accounts, I think we're improving. We've got, uh, the two tackles that are going to have improvement. I think we've upgraded potentially the center spot. Evan Brown comes over. I'm not exactly sure after looking at him, I don't know exactly what to expect. Um, whether he was just kind of a misfit at that right guard spot for the Lions last year, and he's just going to be a better center. And he's, he's literally almost got that thing locked up. There's something about Oluwatimi though, that gives me confidence. Oh, the team this guy's going to come in and Seahawks you know, want Oluwatimi to win that job. They want yeah. Bradford to win the other job. They want those two rookies to come in, stake their claim to the job and not look back. And um, they're going to be given every opportunity to. And so it's and really we said the same thing about the tackles last year. That, and yeah. So and they, to, and yeah. to me, there's a lot to read into that. You know, when, when, when you get a guy like Pete Carroll, advocating for that you know telling Olawatimi to come in ready to go because you're going to be in the competition to start that tells me that they view him in a certain way yeah they they absolutely do and like i said they want the rookies to win the job they're um they're younger they're cheaper they're more athletic they're um you know they they have invested in the offensive line for the first time in a while and they want that to pay off and so if they if those two kids come in and look good it's their job and they're going to, this is going to be a young offensive line. You got two rookies, two second year guys and a fourth year guy um, as your um, starting five. Um, that's a young group, right? Especially when you're back. It's pretty exciting. When your backups are all young too. So um, it's, this is a, this is a group that uh, depending on whatever happens with, with Damian Lewis, if the two rookies win their jobs coming out of camp, um, you got Damian Lewis's contracts up at the end of the year. Do they, they replace him? Well, they, or extend him before it even gets started. Yeah, I mean, that's possible. Um, or they could, um, you know, look to upgrade that spot with yet another rookie next year. Um, and then either way, you've got um, a really good offensive line that is young, um, hungry, cheap, all those things, and improving. With and, a lot of leadership qualities. Yeah. You know? High character wow. guys. There's there's no yeah. there's no there's no Effetti in this group. There's no um you know DJ Fluker uh in this group. The guys that are uh um, I did like DJ Fluker though. Come on. I liked him at you know, um I liked him at times. Um there were times when that attitude really paid off and other times when um he he, he didn't want to do the work. Yeah. He changed himself this last offseason. I don't know if you were, you saw that, but he was workout warrior and came in just looking felt. Now he's got he's 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 gone to some pro days as, as workouts and so forth. I don't know if he actually landed with the team on the ninety man roster yet or not, but um, he's a guy that's still out there too. He'd be interesting. I mean, he's a totally different looking player now. Lost all his bad weight. He looks yeah. He looks actually pretty amazing. If he, um, if he if he is in that good of shape, man, like. If you're a team and you need need a guard, like why wouldn't you give him a shot? Especially in a run run heavy run blocking team, yeah, like like uh, Cleveland or something. You know. Anyway, let's get out of here.
Um, great conversation. I love the offensive line conversations in the last two shows. Um, it, it's, I think it's going to be one of the most improved. It was already improved last year. I think it's going to be, again, one of the most improved position groups that we'll mm-hmm. talk about this offseason. And just, um, I'm, I'm just looking forward to this offense. I mean, when you put the offensive line that we just talked about together with the, with the improvement that we saw at the skill positions, and then Gino coming back for year two um, in his run uh, is, is just something. I mean, it's just going to be, it's going to be something. I hope so. Um, you know, the, the Seattle fan in me um, that has become cynical because of all of the, um, you know, all the bad Mariner seasons and, and what happened with the Sonics and, and the, um, you know, the, the nineties uh, Seahawks and all of that. I, I don't believe until it happens. You know what I mean? It's, I just, I can't, um, I've been burned so many times and I'm so scared, you know, what happens if, you know, there's a bunch of injuries or what happens if Gino goes back to being old Gino. And I know that none of those things are likely, but I just can't, I can't not, I can't, I, I can't get super excited simply because when I, my expectations get too high, I get burned. I've and gone through those entirely me. <laughs> I've gone through those seasons as well. And I've gotten to the point in my life where I don't care anymore. I, I really, I, I love the team. I love the, the Seahawks. I want them to win. I do care about all those things, but I don't, um, I don't care enough to get in my own way because I went, I went through this last part with, with Pete Carroll I'm, and I, I really enjoy Pete Carroll. I love Pete Carroll. I, he's my favorite Seahawks coach of all time. The, when, when you went through the 2012, the 2011, the 2012, the 2013, 14, 15 seasons, you recognize quality. You recognize when a team is extra, you know, and I'm getting this feeling again about this team, um, especially on the offensive side. I think we need to see, we're going to have a whole series now on position groups on the defensive side. We'll see how we feel uh, after those shows. But on the offensive side, Keith, yeah, the, I'm, I'm really great. excited about this team offensively. And I, I like defense a little more than, than offense, but as offenses go, this thing has the potential to be one of the best offenses in Seahawks history. The Seahawks are loaded with weapons, wide receiver, running back, tight end. They've got a good young offensive line. Um, and a veteran quarterback. And a veteran quarterback who looked really good last year, even though we had no expectations for him. We expected him to be bad. He came in and was great. Um, if he can duplicate that performance this year with, with upgraded weapons and a better line, that that, like, that lasts until deep into the season. Yeah. Yeah. Like, wh- where 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 is the fail point? Where's the thing that's going to cause this this offense to struggle? I'm really having a hard time finding it. I I like what, what uh, Schneider has done in the draft the last few years on offense and getting this team ready to, for this offense should put up you know 32 points a game. It really should. Yeah. No. This is you know we're in year quote unquote, two of a three-year rebuild. We kind of, we've said that many times. The mm-hmm. team, the offense is ahead of the defense. The The yeah. offense is in year three, essentially, because mm-hmm. they're ready to go. Yep. Um, it's the defense. The defense is going to dictate what happens to this team overall. The offense, they're going to score many as many points as they can score, as long as the defense provides them with a little extra opportunity. This thing could be very special, and we'll just, yep. we'll just have to see how it goes. All right. The, the defense has to 
be able to get off the field and not do what happened last year and the year before where there was really long 17 play yeah. drives three and out you either get three and out or you get some turnovers yep not not on every possession but they need a few right they need a, they need a couple of them every game just to get the offense more opportunities all right, find Keith on Twitter, at Myers NFL. You can find me at NW Seahawk. The show is Seahawks Playbook Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, we're all over the place, whether it's Amazon Music, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, uh, et cetera. And then on YouTube, we've got our own YouTube channel. It's growing like crazy. We'd love to have you come out and uh, subscribe to that. Make sure you hit that um, subscribe button and get it in your feed every time we release the show. So until next time, go Hawks. Seahawks Playbook Podcast listeners, thanks for joining us for another edition of the show. You can find us on Twitter. Phil is at NW Seahawk. Keith is at Myers NFL. And the show is at Hawks Playbook. You can listen and subscribe to the show at SeahawksPlaybook.com. Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.